Anyways, we're going to go ahead and pray, and then uh, we're going to talk about some things coming up here um, for this, this season, some changes that we feel like God's bringing about. And we're going to look at some lessons from the Bible on uh, things we might learn and be prepared for as it relates to changes in, in our lives, in our homes, in our marriages, in our church, in our workplaces, in our world here. And so I hope that you might find ways to take some of these things we're going to look at and, and apply them to your own life here. And, um, that we will all be blessed as God leads us into some change here. But let's go ahead and pray. Ask that God just redeems our, our few minutes left together here this morning. Well, Lord Jesus, we do, just, we do just look to you this morning. We look to you expectantly. Lord, I pray that as we look at some of these verses and some of these examples you have recorded for us in the Bible, that you would help us to learn from them, help us to be challenged by them and encouraged by them and spurred on. Lord, we, we just ask that as you seek to bring about change in our lives, that, that we would yield to you in that and you would get it. And it would be an awesome thing, Lord. And pray that for us personally. I pray that for us as a church. But we do just look to you this morning and ask you to have your ways in, in our hearts, in our minds, and with our will, um, that you'd be glorified. And, and we pray this together in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, um, let's see, the last time I spoke, I think it was two weeks ago here, but we've been in the process of uh, unfolding some changes as a church here, and one of the verses uh, I think about when it comes to change is the classic one on seasons here from Ecclesiastes, but for everything there's a season, a time for every activity under heaven. Some of you might know the old song on this one, you want to sing together with me here on the count of three, and... And to every season, (laughs) louder out there please, there is a reason, and a time to be done with the song here. So, um, it's a great song, I think it's, uh, anyone knows that, the mamas and the papas or something like, birds, exactly, I was just seeing if you knew that. The birds, yeah. So anyways, there's a, you know, and that song is straight out of the scriptures. There, there's a, a time for every season, a reason to it. Really, God is the one that has caused there to be seasons. And that's, a, that's kind of profound to think about, that, that God has included seasons in our life experience here. But we have some seasons we're going to, uh, to experience some change here in this church this fall. And a week or two ago, we talked about one of these Proverbs here. Uh, this is from the, the NIV that says, where there's no revelation, the people cast off restraint. Other versions say, where there is no vision, the people perish. And we talked about how a vision can uh, give us, a, it'd be like a lens that allows us to, to focus and have a greater impact on something. Uh, this this verse here really draws out the idea that the vision really is it's tied to revelation. It's when God reveals things he wants, there, there's a way that it, it gives us focus and direction. And as pastors, we feel like God has been in the process of revealing to us some changes that he would like for our church and, and for us personally, individually. And so uh, those are... You've, if you've been around the last couple of weeks, you've heard of some of those changes. I'm going to do a quick review here, and then we're going to look at three lessons that we might be able to apply to the changes that are before us in, in whatever facet you might um, have some changes that God wants to bring about. But um, 
We have a handout. Hopefully you have a handout here. You can jot down some notes as we go. Some of this will be review. I'm amazed that when we do announcements and things like that, there's always someone that didn't hear that announcement. So repetition, repetition, repetition. I think we're going to make sure you know these announcements. And uh, uh, there's still a chance to jump in on some of them as well. So um, one of the changes that God is leading us into relates to our leadership community. We've been doing a, called it a leadership development community, and uh, we've kind of been shifting gears from, from that group that, um, you know, a number of people have been a part of that for, for a number of years. And it seems like the need that's on the table and the thing that God's leading us into is uh, a group that we started last week, actually. And the class, instead of leadership development classes, it's called the Inspire class. And uh, that's going to be meeting the first Tuesday of every month. And it was interesting, John Meyer, who's a regional director, uh, a pastor that some of us know, is helping to kind of spearhead this class. But um, we didn't exactly know what to expect going into it. At least, you know, I didn't know what to expect. I know what I was promoting to people, but he had different plans, I think, as he was sharing. But uh, by the time we were done, you know, um, we, we... answered some questions. We looked at some things were, um, that, that were more challenging than I had hoped. There were some things that were convicting. Um, you know, one of the questions we, we came away with, at least I came away with, was uh, the question was asked, what is your, what, what level is your hunger for God recently? To what degree uh, do you desire to please God? And, um, you know, it was a lot of wrestling going on, a lot of soul searching there. And, uh, you know, asking some things, well, if you really want to, to grow and, and change and desire God more and experience more of God's love and his power, um, what are you willing to let go of? Another challenging question. And um, anyways, by the time we were done, it was, uh, I'd like to say it was an encouraging time. It was, it was a not. It was one of those challenging encouraging, like when you, you know, when you go to work out and you know, I don't want to do this, and when you're done, you're glad you did. That's kind of how it felt like to go to the Inspire class. But you're invited to join us next time still. Um, it's not too late. John did throw out one prerequisite if you're going to be a part of the class. And he just asked, he just said, hey, if, if you feel this need to, to be inspired and you want to grow in your hunger for God, um, would you take the time to read... Um, Read the book, True Discipleship. I don't know if you've read that before or not, um, but you are still welcome. If you missed the class, you're welcome to show up. But he did just ask, hey, please take the time to read this. If you don't have the time, it might show that this class, you might not be ready for this class. This might not be what God has on the agenda for you this fall. But if you have that desire, uh, and encourage it, I, I can get you an electronic copy that we can uh, forward on to you, or if you have a hard copy. But this is... Um, it's a very challenging book, and it takes some verses and some teachings of Jesus, and it, it puts them in your face and in mine, and uh, it, it's going to be good, I think. Uh, the goal is going to be to increase our desire. We have a lot of changes that we think God's bringing about here, but unless our hearts are in it, unless we're inspired, we have a, a fresh desire or zeal for that, really, it's, it's going to be going through the motions or not going through any motions at all. But uh, I'm excited about that. It's one of the changes that's going on, and you are invited to jump in on that still. Um, 
or you can just read two True Discipleship just for fun if you prefer. So uh, that's uh, another option. Uh, another change that's going on is that we're uh, changing. We're taking a season away from doing small groups like we normally have. We've done small groups for many years that are often uh, demographic related. And, um, but we sense God is leading us into uh, another season here. We're calling them discipleship groups. And, and really the, the goal of that is to help us grow not only as disciples of Jesus, which many of us would say, I'm a disciple of Jesus, uh, I, I want to be, at least I'm trying to be, but we sense God wants to grow us to be not only disciples of Jesus, but to be disciple makers with Jesus. We shared this, uh, this picture a few weeks ago just about this process that we think God has for us as a church to be a little more... Um, you know, to, to help us as we, as we go about following Christ, but we, we want it. We all start basically. It's like a baseball diamond here. You all start. We all start at home plate, and, and we all go through this process, this journey on our own. And we all start off as some form of an unbeliever or unchurched or a non-religious or whatever it is. But eventually, the goal is to become a believer in Jesus Christ and to make a commitment to trust Him as our Lord and Savior. And then the next phase would be not only to be a believer, but to become a follower, a disciple of Jesus. One of the the greatest uh, earmarks of this would be getting baptized as a follower of Jesus Christ. And then uh, another phase of development on the journey is to not only be a disciple of, but to become a disciple maker with Jesus. And really you round the bases and you start back at home plate again. And the goal of the Christian life, as you read the New Testament, it seems like it's not only to go through this process on your own, but then to step up to bat for someone else and help someone else who started right where you started and walk them through these different commitments and, and help them to grow and teach them the grace of God and um, how to live by His truth. And so we really feel like God wants us to be a little more deliberate about this. And really our discipleship groups are all about trying to help us in, in sharing our faith and having personal ownership of the mission Jesus gave His disciples and maybe even making a commitment to with God's help to reach another person, to step up to bat for someone else and walk them through this. And, and really, we, we sense strongly as pastors that this is what God desires for us um, this fall, especially just to focus on that. And again, discipleship groups started last Wednesday night. Um, how many of you got to go check those out there? Show of hands, a few of you, yes? Yes, no, maybe so, all right. Um, we do have homework. Uh, there's memory verses we have to do, I think, through the course of the class like a 12 or 13 week class, there's going to be about 33 memory verses. And I need to talk to Rob on this still, but I'm going to see if there's a special package deal we can do related to memory madness here that if you do your memory verses and mad smash them, that maybe you can get in on the, uh, the certificates as well. Maybe even get in on the cash toy store thing afterwards also, um, if, if we twist his arm. But um, anyways, uh, so we've got the homework. Don't forget to do your homework if you're in the class. Like Greg mentioned. And again, we've encouraged people, show up Wednesday night, even if you're not going to officially try to graduate the class, every time you show up, it'll be encouraging. You'll come away with things that'll help you um, be more effective in sharing your faith and overcoming fears and um, having greater skills just to transition into those conversations. Just um, to um, help you out in your homework here, uh, again, those taking the class, could you raise your hand again? Um, Okay, we know where you are. Look around you if you see someone like that. I'm going to give you an opportunity to practice something from your class here. We have memory verses, three memory verses, and we have two questions you're supposed to memorize as well. So I would like you just to take one minute. 
If you saw someone who had their hand up sitting nearby you, please identify them. And they have two questions they want to ask you, and they want to do them uh, memorized word for word, right? So uh, please just take a moment and have someone nearby you practice their diagnostic questions. And you feel free to answer them. Give them real live answers, and then we'll, we'll keep moving after that. But please turn to someone, and if, if there's someone not close enough to you, practice on the nearest person you have here. Two diagnostic questions, please take a minute. Okay, good job, everybody. Good job. Now, um, for those of you who uh, somebody was practicing on, I, I would like you to, to point out someone. If you feel like they didn't nail it word for word, could you please kind of tell on them real quick? I want to... No, just, just joking. Um, two very important questions. How sure are you that if you died tonight, you would go to heaven? Scale of 0 to 100. Um, the class is based off of the verse that says um, in 1 John 5, 13, where I, I have these, uh, say, I've written these things to you so that you may know. Uh, I've written these things to you who believe in the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. There's a way that you can know you have eternal life. There's a way you can be 100% sure. You don't have to be 50-50 or even pass with a 70%. There, there's a way God wants you and I to be 100% sure. It's real helpful when we're going to carry out this message to others as well. And then, uh, you know, what would you say if God asked you, why should I let you into my heaven? There's, there's actually some things that have been written that God wants us to know that the answer he's looking for. And um, that's always a fun part of the class. So if you weren't 100% sure or if your reason was other than your faith in Jesus Christ, by, by grace alone, through faith alone... We'd love to do this presentation with you. Someone, whoever asked you that question, would love to follow up and practice the presentation with you. So that, that'd be, it's kind of a, a double-edged benefit, win-win situation for, for everyone. So anyways, great class. You're welcome to jump in on that Wednesday night right here and Wednesday night down south. I think we're meeting in Mahali's week, house next week. We're kind of taking it one week at a time on our locations down there. So... Uh, last change, we're, we're talking, well, actually two more changes. We are in the process of uh, adding another location to our church. So if you're um, new with us, you know, we're in the process. We have about one more month, and the goal is to launch a south location of the Firehouse Church here. Last week... Um, we met down south. We had everyone just to kind of see that side of town and figure out where in the world is Parker at anyways, or much less Franktown. We, we met down there, and um, I know the Irwins, since they live real close here, they, they were on standby just in case anybody showed up. Um, and there were a few people that showed up, but I'd like to mention them by name here. No, just joking. A few people missed the announcements there. But most people made it down. Really great turnout down there. And so, again, we, we have a sense that God wants us to have two locations to be able to, to get the good news of Jesus Christ out in multiple locations and to make disciples in multiple locations. And so that's a big part of what's coming up this fall. Another part of it is just, uh, I think God wants to change our financial situation related to this all. We're going to be having several several weeks just talking about things, um, you know, principles and teachings from God's word that we can apply to our, our giving um, and, and really apply to some of the things uh, coming up that, that God would use each one of us to help provide for. Uh, a couple things to be thinking about there. We're going to do a stewardship campaign. Part of that is to help launch the Southside location. We have a, a neat arrangement where our... Um, our region has the, the desire to help us plant or start, launch another church here. And so they've said, hey, if you do a campaign, whatever you come up with on monthly giving from that campaign, we will match you 
we'll match you up to a million dollars. And uh, no, just joking. Uh, but if we got up to a million dollars, maybe maybe they would. I don't know. But uh, they're willing to come in and basically whatever we bring to the table, they say, we'll, we'll double that. We'll meet you in that. And you're showing that you really have a desire to, to advance his kingdom, to get the gospel out, to make disciples, and, and we'll match your funds in that. And we've tried to estimate some expenses related to launching a new location. And when it comes to things like salary and compensation and rent and operating expenses, one of the estimates is right around 10 grand a month. And, and you might not have known that, but that's about what it takes to, to operate a, a church with full-time, a full-time pastor and rent and different things like that. And so that's kind of the ballpark we're aiming for. Now, on occasion, people say, hey, um, I've got a great idea for a fundraiser and things like that. And that's awesome. There's a lot of different ways um, to kind of add, add to this equation financially. But when you look at the number of 10000 a month, I, I just hope that gives you a perspective of what we think God wants us to set our, our sights on, what we want to aim for. And it's going to require daring faith and, and sacrificial living. And, um, but we believe this is what God wants us to aim for. Now, some of you might say, well, great, so that's what's needed for the Southside Church. So anyone going south? Good luck. That's, that's, I love the number you're aiming for. Uh, I'll pray for you. But, you know, we're really doing this together as, as one church with two locations. And one of the ways that's going to work, I think Greg might share more on this next week even. But the idea of uh, taking really in one ways, when we launch the Southside Church, I'd be kind of allocated to help with the South Side of things more. And Greg would be helping more here in a full-time capacity. And so one of the things we can do is take my uh, salary or my numbers off of the Highlands budget and put them on the Southside budget, and that frees up money to use for other things. And so, um, but we also have some needs in the Highland location. I'm just going to mention these briefly because they, they relate to just the three points we're going to look at this morning. But some of the needs relate to our, our building. We have this building. We got an amazing deal. God led us here. We were able to renovate it. We had just um, signed on to exercise a five-year option uh, of leasing this five more years. And, and that's been a neat milestone. In the first five years, we paid a construction loan. We didn't pay any rent at all. We just paid on our cost to renovate. And now the second five years, we'll actually pay rent. The landlord's much happier with this arrangement. Um, but, but we do have the situation where um, the, the construction loan that we have and the rent that we're going to pay, we have three months where these are going to overlap. And in essence, we'll be paying rent twice. We'll be paying our construction loan and rent, which are about the same amount, roughly $3,000. We'll be paying those October and November and December twice. And so there's, there's kind of a, a building shortfall there related to our budget. We've also just uh, had tight budget throughout the year here where we've had a, a savings and a, and a buffer that we had and really just covering our, our different expenses. That, that has um, depleted to not having a buffer. And so as part of this campaign as well to, to get one of those. Uh, Dave Ramsey said it's a good idea, you know, emergency funds and things like that. Um, so we thought we should do that as a church as well. There's also opportunities that we have. I know Greg's mentioned this before. We've sponsored the Firehouse 5K race several times in the neighborhood. And each, each time it's grown in participation and things like that. But really we've found it's gotten to the size where we need to have money up front to front some of the costs in order to, to walk into that opportunity and bless our neighborhood. And there's things related to that. We've kicked around the ideas of adding staff, like part-time staff or office staff, things like that, to help us be more efficient. But these are some things coming up. And I just encourage you... Um, to be praying about this. And as we look at these points here, to realize 
you know, the number that we're aiming for, by God's grace, we'd love to aim for 10 grand um, a month beyond what's, what's happening right now. And half of that, the Lord willing, could come from the region backing us and, and meeting us in, in our faith and our offering there. But just want you to think about some of these things. Um, now, the fact that we're sensing God's leading us into change, and we've even taken steps to start in this direction, does not guarantee that change is going to occur. Does it? You know, we can go, well, we started the class. Well, that doesn't mean anyone's going to finish the class. We started Inspire, and, and next month it could be called the, you know, discouragement class or something. We don't know how it's going to go, getting inspired here. Uh, the financial campaign could, could be a flop. There's, there's changes we believe God wants to accomplish that, it, that are on his heart for us. And yet there's some things that would be required for that to happen. And so we're going to look at three Three lessons, three examples from, from the Bible, really three uh, lessons from the Old Testament that we can leverage truth from and apply it to our current situation here. Um, and the first one here, you've got your handout. I'll, I'll give you the blanks here, but um, first point is simply this, that change occurs when leaders lead courageously. Change occurs when leaders lead courageously. I've been struck this year reading through the Bible um, by the number of examples in the Old Testament of, of kings or spiritual leaders that they had great influence to lead things really bad, really fast, or to lead things really good, really fast, and widespread. And changes occurred in both directions if you read the Bible there, but um, we're praying for positive change, change that God wants to bring about. But this occurs Change occurs when leaders lead, when they initiate courageously in the things that God wants. And a number of examples of that, I just wrote down a few of them. Uh, it's just this theme has stood out to me as I've read through the one-year Bible this year, just how many of these leaders were catalysts to great good. There's things that would never have been accomplished in a culture in, in the nation of Israel, except that somebody set their hand to it, spurred on by God, and, and Amazing, thing, ha- amazing things happen time and time again when that was the case. Uh, one of the examples here is Ezra 1.1. I love this passage here, but it just talks about... Um, I'll, I'll just read this verse to you in verse 5. But it says, In the first year of King Cyrus of Persia, the Lord fulfilled the prophecy he had given through Jeremiah. He stirred the heart of King Cyrus and put this proclamation in writing to send throughout his kingdom. And he just declares this proclamation that they're going to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. Verse 5 says, um, it says this, it says, Then God stirred the hearts of the priests and Levites and the leaders of the tribes of Judah and Benjamin to go to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple of the Lord. God wanted to bring about some change and he started stirring the hearts of those people who had positions of influence where they could not only be affected themselves but affect others for this cause. He he stirred King Cyrus. That's just amazing. This guy was not of the people of God at all, and yet God stirred him. And he had this worldwide empire, and he said, by the way, my royal treasury is at your service to get this done. That's an amazing thing that happened. And uh, and then he stirred the hearts of people, the the Jewish people and leaders, and said, hey, uh, those whose hearts were moved, they, they moved 
out from being in exile and back to uh, the city of of Jerusalem there in the land of Judah. And so um, another example of that was, um, I think, of Nehemiah. At one point, Nehemiah is serving King Artaxerxes. And he hears this report, the city is a mess, the walls are destroyed. And it says that how he responded, he said, um, when I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. And then he went on, and he goes and approaches the king, and the king sends him. And eventually he gets to Jerusalem, he says this. I love this line here. He just says um, that he's, he's assessing everything. And at one point, it just says this of what's going on in his heart. I'd not told anyone about the plans God had put on my heart for Jerusalem. God put plans on Nehemiah's heart. He used circumstances to spur Nehemiah on. He stirred the hearts of others to, to be a part of things. King after king, there's the stories. Josiah, some of you might remember Josiah as the king. And he's, uh, he's going about his business and they're doing things in the temple. And one day the priests, as they're doing repairs in the temple, they discover the Bible. They discover the scriptures, the book of the law, which... You know, just for the record, the kings were supposed to have a copy of the scriptures when they started their, their reign. And they were supposed to read it daily. And somehow, it had, things had fallen away so much that they discovered these scriptures, this scroll. And, and it was read in his presence. And this is how Josiah responded. It just says that he tore his clothes in despair. God says, uh, because of his response, he humbled himself and he wept. But he rediscovered God's word, and it brought about huge change in that culture, in that day and age there. Other examples, I think about Hezekiah. He's one here that stood out to me, uh, and we're just going to look at some of his examples here. But uh, this is Second Chronicles 29.1, and it says, Hezekiah was 25 years old when he began uh, the king, to be king of Judah, and he reigned in Jerusalem for 29 years. And his mother was Abijah, the daughter of Zechariah. And he did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight, just as his ancestor David had done. In the very first month of the very first year of his reign, Hezekiah reopened the doors of the temple of the Lord and repaired them. You know, his father had had closed the doors and they had not been in the habit of worshiping God as they were supposed to be. And, And... God gave the, the reign to uh, Hezekiah, and the first thing he did in the first month was, guys, we've got to get back to worshiping the Lord as he has prescribed for us. And, and he led the way, and so many things happened, again, because of his leadership. Um, and, but the point in all of this is, and, and there's story after story about how God brought about change when leaders led courageously. A lot of times these leaders led and there was opposition. People mocked them. Hezekiah sent out a, uh, a letter to the, the people of Israel and he just said, hey guys, we're going to start practicing the Passover again like we're supposed to. We're all supposed to come together and worship here at the temple. And you know, it said that when he sent that out that his messengers were scoffed and mocked for even inviting people to do that. But it said a few humbled themselves and then, um, and then also the people of, of Jerusalem and, and Judah. But we need... Uh, the change that's going to occur here, we need leaders to lead. And really, um, I want to ask that you pray for that. And really, there's two types of leaders I'm thinking about um, that we need to pray for. And one is for your current leaders. You know, um, God in the New Testament structure of the church has put uh, pastors, also known as elders or shepherds, in some context. There, you know, Hebrews 13 talks about leaders of the pastoral variety here. But You know, God wants to bring about some change, and He wants us as pastors. I think about myself and Greg being full-time, and Brad as uh, bivocational. I think about Dennis and Tim, who are pastors.
pastors emeritus here, but God wants us to be leading the way in some of these changes, leading the way and in being inspired and having a zeal that drives all that we do for him, leading the way and in initiating with people to share the good news. He wants us leading the way when it comes to this giving campaign, that people see our example and they are, are blessed to follow that example. And, and we need your prayers, guys. We need your prayers to lead courageously. Uh, when you began change, people began, uh, they began giving you feedback. And many times that feedback is not encouraging because most of us like to go, um, you know, with, with how things are. Change is inconvenient. It's uncomfortable. It's, it requires effort. And, and I just ask that you'd pray for us as, as pastors of the church as we go into this time. I was very encouraged by us talking to um, actually John Mack the other day here. And he was just telling me kind of about his bus ride in to, to work and things like that. But he said, you know, um, I pray for you pastors every day. And, and I was blessed by that. And I was challenged by that. And I was blessed by that. But I just want to let you guys know, please pray for us to be leading the way courageously. We, we need God's grace. We need him to stir our hearts. I'm praying, God, stir my heart like you did that king. Lord, put things on my heart. Help me to respond zealously like, like others in the past have. And just please pray for us in that. Um, and another thing we we're praying for is, is new leaders. Men and women, brothers and sisters, you know what? God is looking to do a work here, and, and he uses leaders to lead courageously. And you know what? I think he's looking for some new men and some new women who want to be a part of fitting in with what God's doing, who want to respond to the things that, that he's stirring up in, in, in this church and in our neighborhoods and in this world. And uh, he's looking for some new people. And that's part of the Inspire class. But some of you maybe have never had a, a leadership role in, in anything. Or maybe you've had it, you haven't had a, a leadership role in years. Or you had it back in college or with another church. I just want to let you know there's a great need here now for leaders, for men and women whose hearts are freshly stirred for God and for God getting the changes that he wants. And sometimes you've probably heard the, uh, the acronym before um, of, of looking for new leaders. Uh, it's, well, I'll give you the words and then I'll give you the acronym, but faithful, available, teachable. Any of you ever heard those before? The acronym is unfortunate, it's fat, um, but, uh, but the words that it represents are, are good. There's character qualities. And, and God is looking for some men and women who will be faithful to him. Not faithful like you get your work done like you're supposed to, but faithful to him when this world would want to lure you with pleasures, with distractions, with things that would make you unfaithful to your Savior. God is looking for faithful men and women to follow him. John six sixty six in the gospel there says uh, at that point many stopped following him because of certain things they stopped there people stopped being faithful to him because uh, it was hard and and they didn't want to keep it up and God's looking for faithful men he's looking for people who are available you know one of Jesus called his first call to many was come follow me and you know what some people said just a minute I got things to do I, I got to go do this I got to go do that let me get back to you. Jesus wants to do something today, and he's calling out to people like you and I, come follow me. Are you available to be used by God, for God to get the change that he wants? Maybe it's related to our church. Maybe it's related to your workplace or your school or your neighborhood. Are you available for God to use? Sometimes, you know, we go, God, I'm your man, I'm I'm your woman, and I'm available for you to use. Like Wednesday night between 7 and 8 o'clock, I'm your man. Or on the weekends, if it doesn't conflict with all my other plans, 
I'm, I'm ready. I'm able. Use me. And I think God might just chuckle and keep saying, hey, someone else want to come follow me? Want to take up your cross? Want to lay down your life? He's looking for faithful and available. The other one is teachable. I've, I've been struck just thinking about teachable. How many of uh, those disciples followed Jesus? They were ordinary, uneducated. The people who didn't follow Jesus, those were the ones that they, they kind of knew a lot. They knew a lot about spiritual things, religious education, and, and they would have nothing to do with Jesus because they didn't like what he was teaching. Uh, they thought they knew better. They thought they knew enough. And, and it's amazing how some of us can be unteachable, especially if we've got any years of Christian uh, following Christ in our life, reading the pop culture books out there. We can all of a sudden become, think we're the source of knowledge that we need to teach others. Um, and that's the same attitude those Pharisees had. And they weren't a part of changing the world like the other ones were who were faithful, available, and teachable. And I just want let to you, let you guys know I believe God is looking for men and women today, now, here, who will be faithful to Him. Available and teachable. I believe He wants to reach the world with Jesus. Starting right here with men and women like that. And I, I've got to let you know. I want to be one of those men and women. I'm praying, God, make me faithful to the end. Available again, teachable, like I was when I first started this gig. Um, But will you join me? Will you join me in that? Are you willing? I want to be one of those to you. I think God has a lot of things he would do with us if that were the case. Next thing we want to talk about here, these next two points are are a little shorter here, but... uh, you know, uh, one of the things that has to happen for change occur. Change occurs when people respond willingly. Change occurs when people respond willingly. Time and time again, a leader would lead out into something. And, and those things that went well, people responded. They responded. The word I want to use here is that willingly. You know, what's the alternative to responding willingly? I think it's kind of like begrudgingly. It's kind of like, yeah, I'll do that, but... You never asked me about it. Yeah, I'll follow, but you didn't, you know, I didn't get to weigh in on this decision, these changes. I uh, think about this verse here in 1 Corinthians 10, 10 and 11. But it says, and don't grumble as some of them did. And then were destroyed by the angel of death. These things happened to them as examples for us. They were written down to warn us who live at the end of the age. You know, things in the Old Testament, there were times, I think about Moses leading out and people were like, ah, oh, man. Who picked Moses anyways? He's such a goober, said his brother and sister and many others. Um, But, you know, there was just this like, well, we've got the spirit too. Why do we have to follow him? And Moses was like, hey, this is not my deal. God put me here. I would resign, you know, if he would let me. But um, we need men and women. There's changes going on here. My question, are you responding willingly or are you grumbling? Are you complaining? Are you finding fault with those who God has put in a situation to help be a catalyst to this change? Um, you know, there's responding. I think of this verse here, Ezra 10.4. We'll take a look at that. But, um, you know, one of the verses in the New Testament here that, that God has designed related to church leaders, it says this, Hebrews 13.17, Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. Now, this is not a bossy thing. I love the message Bible puts it like this. It says, be responsive to your pastoral leadership. It goes on to say, they keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no advantage to you. 
God wants people to respond willingly. And when you respond to leaders willingly, there's a blessing to those leaders. They're they're not, in many cases, they've got to fight against their own flesh and the world and the devil and all sorts of things, much less the people that God has put there for their support and their encouragement. Um, But when you respond willingly, there's there's a joy there. There's a blessing there. Um, We received an email. You know, as we've started off in these changes here... um, We've gotten feedback. I can give examples of both variety. Um, and, and such is the case, you know, with life as a pastor. But um, I got an email this week I wanted to share with you um, from, from Zach Lamb. Zach said this. He said, reading the one-year Bible today in Ezra 10.4 reminded me about Hebrews 13.7. In Ezra 10.4, Shechaniah told Ezra, we are behind you, so be strong and take action. And I just wanted to let you know that the lambs are behind you. So be strong and take action. Men and women, I don't think you, you may fully know. You might underestimate the power of your encouragement, the power of your support. I think about all the different jobs people have in this world. And I think of how many of those jobs the devil opposes, you know. Does the devil care if there's more or less engineers than there were tomorrow as there were today? Does he care if there's more or less lawyers out there? He probably wants more lawyers, I think. I'm just joking. My brother has a law degree. I'm joking. But I'll tell you this. The devil of hell wishes that your pastor would not serve the Lord anymore. And he's looking to discourage them and take them down and take them out. And I just want to let you know... I'm so blessed. I know Greg is blessed. And Brad and and Tim and Dennis are all blessed when someone says, you know what? I'm with you. I I trust the Lord, so I'm with you. Let's do this thing. And you know, God brings about change when people respond willingly. And are you doing that? Because that's what's needed in this season for God to get what he wants. And I hope that you would. And, And God bless you, Zach and Gretchen. And I know many of you, you know, you have the same hearts, and I appreciate it. I think sometimes people can take for granted. A pastor just always operates encouraged, so we got to make sure we give them feedback when we don't agree with them. Well, love, if you think something went well, tell somebody, please. Uh, that would be a real blessing. And if it goes bad, I understand, you know, we assume that many times. Uh, so when it goes good, we're, we're blessed to hear that from you. And, you know, we're doing this for the Lord, but we do appreciate your support here as we go. But last thing... I want to talk about is that change occurs when God is glorified. I love this verse here from Judges chapter 5. Some of you may know the story of Barak and, and Deborah, the prophetess who, uh, who was involved in the story as well. But basically at some point God says, hey, uh, Deborah, tell, tell Barak to go and uh, fight these people off that are oppressing you. And, and he's kind of reluctant. He's like, yeah, I'll do it. But, you know, will you come along with me? And, uh, and she's like, okay, I'll come along with you. But you're not going to get the full amount of glory that was, you know, allocated for you here. So he goes and, and he rallies the people and he attacks. And the Lord routes one of my favorite verses. Then Barak advanced and the Lord routed. But, you know, they go on after all this is done and God accomplishes what he wanted after stirring up people to bring it about. This verse here kind of summarizes the three points we're talking about, guys. When the princes in Israel take the lead and when the people willingly offer themselves, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. That's an awesome thing. You know, and this, when change occurs, God is glorified. Because really the change that 
that he's trying to bring about here are things that he wants, things to be in line with maybe how they should have been in the first place. Um, but when God gets things the way he's designed it, it's glorious. It reflects his glorious wisdom and his, his uh, sovereign design. And when God gets things the way he wants, it's glorified. And this, I love this, it's kind of a double-edged sword because when it worked out like that, there's people going, praise the Lord, this was awesome. And at the same time, the Lord is being praised because things are working like it should be. And it's, uh, again, we want to bring about some change here that God wants because it'll glorify him. And that's, you know, that's really double-fold again. To, bring, to do something because it glorifies God, it can be our driving motive. But it's also good to know when God gets his way, it's going to be glorious as well. And, and when God gets the changes he desires, he'll be glorified. And guess what? You and I will be blessed. When you and I participate in God getting what he wants, we'll be blessed. And so many of these verses in these stories we talk about just uh, talk about how God blessed people. You know, I think about Hezekiah led them into celebrating the Passover. And people came in large numbers, large number, larger numbers than it happened for years. And they spent seven days celebrating and worshiping the Lord and doing the offerings that he desired. And, and they decided, you know what, this is so good. Let's do seven more days of this. And they worshiped God for seven more days. And it just said the people had great joy because of what God had used Hezekiah to lead out. And then the people responded to that. And and then God was glorified and the people were blessed. And brothers and sisters, again, this this is what we're hoping for this fall. And we need, and you can be praying for this, for leaders to lead the current ones and any new ones. And for people to respond willingly. And that God would be glorified. The byproduct of that is we will be blessed. And so let's go ahead and pray and get on with the the rest of our weekend here. Well, Lord Jesus, we do just thank you for meeting with us this morning. We thank you for the examples you've given us of your encouragement. Uh, Even from these guys in the Old Testament here, we, we ask that you would help us, Lord. That you would stir up our hearts to have leaders lead courageously ones that you've put in place, ones you want to raise up. Lord, I pray that we would be responsive to those things you're stirring up, that we'd be responsive to your word, Lord, and we would respond willingly and generously, even as examples in these stories here. Lord, we pray ultimately that you would be glorified. God, when things work like you've designed them, it's glorious. We just confess we've broken your design. This world is broken, and it doesn't reflect well on you. You designed it perfectly. And Lord, we just ask for your grace to bring about some changes that that would glorify you, that would bless us and others. Lord, we're thankful that you're bringing us to a place where there will be a new heaven, a new earth, nothing broken, no more death, no more mourning, no more suffering, but a place glorious as you've designed it. Thank you that we who've believed in your son, who've been rescued by your son, have, have been allocated to live eternity in inexpressible joy of your glorious kingdom. And we thank you for that. And Lord, I pray again, please get your changes in each one of us and in this church and in the homes represented here and the marriages represented in the neighborhoods and the workplaces and the schools. Lord, please be glorified, we ask in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.